I don't really know how to start shows. Come on now, don't start, don't start liking me now. So yeah, I'm funny compared to, you know, well you'll see later. I stand for mayhem! I know a lot of fucking idiots who think a lot of shit is mean-spirited just because it goes against what they believe. But the relief of comedy is to take things that aren't funny and it allows us to laugh about them for an hour. We got a purple suit to buy and a gigantic coffin. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Why Are You Laughing? A history of comedy podcast coming to you live from the Vaulted Podcast Studios. And today, I am pleased to introduce to you Chevy Chase, one of the um, greatest curmudgeons that perhaps we've, uh, perhaps we've covered on this show. Uh, very interesting guy, and uh, like me and Matt were just talking before we hit record, um, maybe one of the most famous guys, certainly comedic actors, uh, through the 70s and 80s, uh, but also a guy that like our generation doesn't know as well. Like I know him from Community is what I mostly know, and I, I've seen the vacation movies and stuff like that, but I didn't know of him as the star that he was until eventually it was like told to me. You know, like I never thought of him as as that guy because over the years he's been such a pain in the ass to work with that that star faded away fairly quickly. Um, but yeah, like I said, we are here in the Vaulted Podcast Studios in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. So check that out. Matt from RI is who you can hit up on Twitter if you want to come down here and record. And blindmike.net is the place that you can get uh, this podcast, the Blind Mike Project, all things Blind Mike related at blindmike.net. Um, if you want to subscribe to the Patreon, we really appreciate it. And you can get uh, Why You Laughing episodes a week early, as well as uh, Blind Mike Project a little early, and uh, bonus content as well. So hit up blindmike.net. You can su support the show for free there as well, whichever you prefer. I've been loving the Quincy episodes. I mean, who hasn't? It's great. Really? It's getting us we're so dangerous that it's getting us kicked off YouTube. Uh, <laughs> People can't handle Jack Klugman. YouTube is the worst. It, it really is. Unless we're back on, in which we love it. It's <laughs> great. Yeah, YouTube. Um, all right. So, yeah, let's get right into Chevy Chase, who, uh, I mean, we'll get into his, uh, a lot of negatives as we go along here, but I do want to start with some positives. Um, he had an interesting, like, upbringing. I guess he comes from... Uh, like his his ancestors came over here very early on, and it's like he comes from, I think like well to do uh, ancestry, but also like the like his mother was adopted and her parents never acknowledged her in their will or something like that. Like there there is an interesting upbringing where I think Chevy was, um, you know, maybe upper middle class, but also didn't reap some of the benefits that. The rest of his family did that I think left a chip on his shoulder that kind of built the uh, the guy that, that we now know. But he did have, a, I, I think, a better upbringing than a lot of the people. Like we just talked about, you know, Roseanne last week or whatever. I think he had a better upbringing than a lot of those people and a lot of the, the, the people that you see in comedy. I feel like some of his demons might have come later in life, you know, as opposed to his childhood. But... He started at uh, National Lampoon. He was on National Lampoon Radio. And it's the kind of humor... I think this defines Chevy Chase pretty well. I think Chevy Chase's humor... You know, we can talk about his difficulty to work with or whatever. I feel like his humor eventually wears on you a little bit. As much as personality does. But, like, his style of humor where it's kind of... He's awkward and he says inappropriate things at the wrong time and stuff like that. I think eventually... You've heard that, 
You know, I think the element of surprise is lost a little bit because that's what kind of kind of what he did on National Lampoon. And then obviously when he got SNL, that's you know the, his character was like I'm Chevy Chase and you are not. It was you know he's this kind of arrogant guy, which is difficult to pull off in comedy, uh, unless you really are that guy. I think you know. So I I do think it wears on you because you lose that element of the surprise after a while, where you're like, oh, I know that he's going to be like the jackass here. Um, and there's also an element that's lost on me, uh, just because it's very visual. But everyone says like Chevy Chase is the greatest physical actor. Pretty much of all time. Without the rest of his body, just his facial expressions <laughs> yeah. is, is like what does it for me. Anyway. Yeah, so some of that is lost on me for sure. Yeah. But that's, I mean, like unanimous. If you're talking physical actors, um, someone I always think of is Michael Richards. You know, Kramer. Yeah. Kramer's ability to just slide into a room and it's make you laugh. Incredible. And I think that some of that was influenced for sure by Chevy, J- Chevy Chase and uh, the early days of SNL. But before I veer too much off track here, where are we uh, starting in my notes with Chevy? Uh, he's on with Carson, I believe. He's talking about draft dodging. Oh, no. Wait, oh, it's... Uh, sorry, not Carson. Um, yeah, I think he's with... Uh, well, we'll find out in a second. Yeah. I forget who he's... He might be with Arsenio. I forget. Um, but yeah, uh, early on, a lot of guys. We talked about this with uh, Lenny Bruce as well. Um, you know, there was a lot of homophobia back in the day. But uh, once it meant you could be shipped off to Vietnam, people were very happy. Like, oh, yes, I'm very gay, sir. Yes, I'm ter- terribly gay. <laughs> <laughs> so let's hear Chevy talk about weaseling his way out of uh, having to serve. No, I was, I was actually given a 1A, which is you probably were, when, uh, when we first were uh, in our uh, induction physical. Which meant you were ripe for Which meant you were right, strong, uh, eloquent, uh, could hold a gun, hurt. And... Uh, I was still in college, and I had to wait another year, and then I knew that was it. I'd be going in. So I uh, thought, this is not a war that I agree with, which I didn't, and many of us didn't at the time. And um, with all due respect to those men who went at the time, I felt, no, I don't want to support this, and most certainly don't want to get blown up. Mm. And uh, so I went in and answered the same questions that were on the test, uh, the first part of the induction physical, which were... Have you ever had, or do you now have, headaches, bedwetting, homosexual tendencies, all of those things? Well, most people answer no. Do you now have, or have had? Second time I went in, I realized it also says, or have you ever had? So I marked them all, bedwetting, <laughs> even homosexual tendencies, anything. I figured, you know, you're 12, 13, there's probably some homosexual, who knows? You know, you're doing something in the back room with a friend, you don't know whether it's homosexual. You're just a kid, you know. And it was immediately ushered to this uh, Freudian-like uh, uh, German uh, psychiatrist who said, Mr. Trace, uh, do you like boys? Uh, yeah, I like boys. Do you like girls? Yeah. Incidentally, I'd also not uh, slept for two days. I was just drinking coffee, put uh, an entire tube of VO5 in my hair and did not shower for two days. So that it was not a pretty sight or it wasn't much fun for anybody else in the crowd in front of me because we were all nude. And uh, they gave me a 4F with their blessings. But uh, Well, you worked for it. I'm that's not a, proud of it. That's all right. I'm not proud of it. That's all right. By the way, that was the uh, long-lived uh, Pat Sajak show. Shame on us for forgetting the great Pat Sajak had a talk show. Well, it makes sense that I confused him with Carson. Yes. Yeah, they were both, both the greats <laughs> of, the, of the 80s. <laughs> I totally forget that Pat Sajak had a show. Yeah, well, so did Chevy, which yeah. we'll get to. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's just funny to hear guys back in the day – in a, in a time where, like, that was so taboo. But when, uh, you know, 
Uncle Sam came knocking. Yeah, no problem. Um, but anyways, uh, eventually he gets uh, SNL. He's v- Chevy, I think, just listening to that clip, because that was the funniest I heard him be, when he says, like, hey, you're 12, 13, who knows? Is it homosexual? I don't know. Um, that's the funniest and most with it I'd heard him be in an interview. I went through a lot of Chevy interviews, and uh, as Johnny Carson will say, you know, has some commentary on uh, Chevy's ad-libbing performance, but I don't think he's great in those spots. And I can't tell if he's intentionally not great and awkward, but, you know, I have to say a lot of the influence for things like, you know, The Office and Parks and Rec did it perfectly, I think, where it's like just a look to the camera or saying the wrong thing at the wrong time, that sort of kind of awkward humor. Those shows did it perfectly, but there are a lot of have been a lot of shows since that don't do it as perfectly or where it kind of, you know, wears on you. I think a lot of the influence from that is Chevy Chase and his at least his um interview persona. Not so much like I think Chevy Chase is hilarious in like I said the vacation movies. I know him from Community. I think he's very funny in that. But, like, when he's on a talk show, he's not necessarily great. You know, he's not the quick comedic mind that I think um, a lot of the people that came through SNL were. Yeah. But, uh, or if we get into SNL, am I missing anything in between? No. Okay. So, basically, you know, Lauren Michaels heard Chevy on, like, this National Lampoon radio and things like that. He knew, he knew of Chevy Chase and said, uh, you know, we got to have this guy. Chevy was one of the later additions to that first season of SNL. And... Uh, this comes into play later, but he signed on as a writer. Um, So he was signed on as a writer and was later added to the cast like at the last minute um, before the season. And then very quickly, it essentially became the Chevy Chase show. Uh, I think like almost all, I think he was, uh, he got hurt and missed a couple episodes or something. Um, But almost all the episodes in season one of SNL go live with Chevy saying live from New York at Saturday night. It was pretty much him that said it, whereas now it's a different person essentially every week. Hmm. Um, You know, early SNL was very focused on Chevy, and I can't think of it even Eddie Murphy, when Eddie Murphy's essentially like the second cast member in Eddie Murphy seasons is Joe Piscopo. But even then, I don't think the show was as geared towards the Eddie Murphy show as it was when Chevy Chase was on. Yeah. Which is pretty wild when you consider also in that cast was Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi, uh, Gilda Radner, Jane Curtin. Um, I'm forgetting some big name, I'm sure. But like these these monsters that were in that first season, and it still managed to be the Chevy Chase show. Was Bill Murray in the first season? No, he, he replaced Chevy. Right. Which uh, we'll get to. But uh, he, so Chevy was most known for, obviously, did Weekend Update and, uh, you know, coined. And this became a big thing where, um, you know, Chevy would start the news with, uh, uh, I'm Chevy Chase and you're not. And that became a big thing. And then his sign-off, I'm forgetting what it was. Have a good night and a pleasant tomorrow or something like that. Um, something along It was something like that. And that became very well known. So Chevy was the guy people were quoting on SNL the next day or on Monday at work. And he also played the president, which we found now – became a big deal, you know, that helped Will Ferrell become huge, Dana Carvey. Um, like, a lot of guys became very big from playing the president on, the, the you know, the sitting president on SNL. Chevy obviously was the first one to do that. And he made Gerald Ford into, like, this klutz 
You know what I mean? Like Gerald Ford didn't have the similar to Will Ferrell's George Bush and Dana Carvey's George George Bush Sr. Um, he made these things about Gerald Ford that simply didn't exist. Yeah. But because Chevy played it that way, it became something that was so associated with Gerald Ford. Um, but uh, what's the next clip we have? His weekend update? Uh, the face of SNL. Ah, yes. Oh, yeah. Let's hear that. It was it was kind of inevitable. Somebody had to. Jane um, and at that time, television really liked people who were easy on the eye. And Chevy certainly was easy on the eye back then. And uh, he was also full of himself. You know, he he was he could present himself in a way that was funny and and uh, accessible to a certain degree. And, you know, he, when he entered the room, the room changed. And so he had that. He had that ability. So it made sense that he would be the face. But then the face got a little big. <laughs> it became this really big face, which ticked a lot of people off because it was, um, you know, John wanted to be the face and other people wanted to be the face and give us a chance to be the face. And it was difficult for them. So uh, it was tense when that happened. Yeah, and Belushi, I guess, had a lot of resentment for Chevy Chase, which is funny because uh, evidently Chevy Chase is one of the people that recommended Belushi to Lauren Michaels. Um, so it kind of shows you what an asshole Chevy was to have that guy turn on you, you know. Yeah. And th there's an interesting thing, and I think this, this, I mean, this probably goes for every workplace, not just Hollywood, but there becomes a jealousy for sure. When Chevy is the biggest guy on the show, uh, there's absolutely going to be jealousy. But I do think that if Chevy was this great guy that's always uplifting his cast members and giving people other ideas and trying to bring people into scenes or even just, you know, off camera is a genuine good guy, I don't think that jealousy is as thick. You know what I mean? And maybe that's not true because if you look at Dane Cook, he seems like a nice, wholesome guy, but people were very jealous of him and hated him. Um, so maybe I'm, I'm off on my theory. But I think certainly that jealousy is exaggerated when you are genuinely being an asshole to people. Sure. And yeah. by all accounts, like all the stories were, A, a lot of it was coke-fueled. Chevy was doing a lot of drugs. But there was also an element of him being genuinely like disrespectful to people and talking down to people and him very quickly learning that he was the show, you know, Um like he he knew that it was Chevy Chase's SNL, and don't forget SNL was not the institution that it is now. You know, there's no um, there's no uh, precedence for SNL being this ensemble thing that a bunch of different people carry, and then you move on and go have a movie career. Right, that's never right. happened before. Now right. it's just this is a show that you know my fame and my weekend update and my uh, my skits. Uh, made famous. Next season, it's the Chevy Chase show. Right. Yeah, right. Which that, that very well could have happened, actually. Yeah. If you go back, it could have become the Chevy Chase show if he stuck around. Uh, but I think next we see one of uh, one of the great sketches in SNL history, right? Yes. Um, the word association. Yeah. So this is just a little example. Richard Pryor was on um, SNL in uh, the early days. And this is just an example of what I think is one of the best sketches from Chevy's uh Chevy's time here. This is Richard Pryor is um, uh, looking to get a job at Chevy's company. They play a little game of word association. Right, we got one more uh, kind of psychological test we always do here. It's just a word association. I'll uh, 
throw you out a few words. Uh, anything that comes to your mind, just throw it back at me, okay? Just kind of an arbitrary thing. Like if I said dog, you'd say... Tree. Tree. <laughs> dog? Tree. Pause for one second. I've always wondered, I've never heard this, or I mean, maybe people have talked about it, I'm not sure. I've always wondered if Richard Pryor is just like fucked up there. If he's not, suppo- if he's not supposed to say tree. Because the way he presents it... It's supposed to be cat. It's obviously supposed to be yeah, cat, yeah. but the way Richard even delivers the line, it's not like it was supposed to be a punchline. Yeah, right, <laughs> like, right, 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 I almost right, right, think right. Richard Pryor's just uh, fucked up looking around and is like, I'm going to fuck with this guy. <laughs> I've never heard that. I've never had that confirmed or even heard that mentioned, yeah. but I, I, every time I watch this sketch, I wondered that. Well, it's, it seems like when Chevy says it again, when they actually start the word association, when he says cat dog and he says well, tree yeah like, well like, i just yeah i just didn't you just hear me i said tree right like, yeah, <laughs> it's supposed to be tree fast slow rain snow white black bean pod negro whitey tar baby <laughs> What'd you say? Tar baby. Oh, fake. Colored. Redneck. Jungle bunny. Peck of wood. Burrhead. Cracker. Spear chucker. White trash. Jungle bunny. Hunker! Spade! Hunker, hunker! <laughs> Nigger! Dead hunker! <laughs> I, there's a couple things there. I mean, A, obviously. <laughs> the next time Chappelle's on SNL, I don't think they're redoing that sketch. You know? <laughs> um, Imagine him and Chevy Chase. Chappelle <laughs> and Chevy Chase. Never. But... But, uh, yeah, so obviously that wouldn't be done now. But there's an interesting also evolution of comedy. And you see this a lot. Impressionist is the best example of this. Where back in the day, you know, fucking uh, Rich, Rich Little or uh, Frank Gorshin or whoever would just be like, you know, could you imagine if Jack Nicholson and uh, and Richard Nixon were in an elevator get together? <laughs> I think it would sound a little something like this. Like you just shoehorn these scenarios to get your impressions in. Yeah. Whereas now the audience is a little more, more looking for a natural kind of segue, where it is so shoehorned in the idea that you'd be in a job interview, and the interviewer would just start saying slurs and be like, "What do you associate this word with?" <laughs> so shoehorned into this sketch, but because it's funny, and that's just how it was back then. Like you, if you could figure out a way for something to be funny, you could just put it in a sketch. Um. But, uh, yeah, it's – I don't know what I was going to say. I lost my train of thought. Let's just hear the next uh, – uh, is the next one is uh, Weekend Update? So, uh, no, this is uh, leaving SNL. Oh, okay, yeah. So let me uh, it, set that up a little bit then. Yeah. Um, so he was on for one season, which, uh, you know, there is a lot of Chevy Chase material for there being uh, one season. You know, like there's – that's probably the most memorable sketch, I think, Chevy was in, um, but there's a lot of stuff that has been quoted over the years. Like he, you forget that he was only there for one year. It's pretty crazy. And I also can't think of anyone. How long was Eddie Murphy on SNL? I'm trying to think. Oh, 
it was more than one season, right? Yeah, I think it was two. Uh, yeah, it was it was short, but not as short as Chevy. I don't know if there's anyone that was only on one season and skyrocketed the way Chevy did. Um, but he got lucky in the sense that, like I said, he signed a writer's contract, which was only one year. Whereas I think the performers were locked in for three years, possibly two, but I think it was three. Um, so Chevy took advantage of that. And, you know, he always said it's because his wife didn't want to leave California, which to me, I mean, maybe that played a small factor, but it seems hard to believe that that was the entire reason. Uh, it doesn't seem like Chevy's a guy that would be afraid to say, go fuck yourself. So, uh, let's see. He's on the Tonight Show, which, uh, let's hear, we'll talk about that in a second, but let's just hear him talk to uh, Carson about leaving SNL. And it was, um... Uh, uh, he, Eddie Murphy was on for four seasons. Four seasons, and yeah. I typed in who is the shortest uh, person, like yeah. the shortest tenure on SNL, and it says Rachel Drash at five feet. Okay, well, <laughs> that doesn't help us, no. unfortunately. No, I'll find out. You've heard all these questions, but why did you decide to leave Saturday Night Live? You'd been uh, with it one year, and it was uh, it was going great. Did you just get bugged? I was fired, uh, John. <laughs> NBC no. made another. Another brilliant Another decision. The smart move, yeah. Then they ran uh, the Lane show. No, uh, uh, I left because uh, it was my prerogative. I had, in fact, uh, uh, a contract which allowed me to leave after a year. I was hired only as a writer. And uh, to this day, I'm almost hardly a writer. But uh, I wanted to uh, get alone, a little doggy, and, uh, and write my own thing right. and uh, get married. And thank you very much. <laughs> and uh, you can, you know, you can have a late show and be married also. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Well, that. Possible. I've, I've done that. And, uh, several you can times. Do, several times you yes. can do that. Yes. <laughs> but you said I thought maybe you quit to get married, but you could have. You could have. No, there were a, a lot of reasons. In fact, the, the major reason was, uh, uh, for those of you at home, was that uh, <laughs> I was I was somewhat burnt out. I mean, I was exhausted. It's one of those things that you do every night, you know, but we, it was once a week, but it was 90 minutes live and trying to turn out odd comedy uh, as much as we could hurt. And uh, uh, I, I was writing and performing and suddenly picked up on by the press and given uh, uh, a lot of, uh, is there something hanging from my nose, Ed? No, no. <laughs> Would you, do you want something? To hang from your nose? I just want, sure. Certainly. I thought, this is two erasers. That's right. So a few interesting things about this interview. One is right there when you hear him say, like, is there something hanging from my nose? That sort of awkward interaction, like he never really gets to the point. He's not answering you seriously. That is his style in these interviews. Yeah. And that's what I'm talking about when I say, like, it kind of wears on you. Because there's certain things I was listening for, and I'm like, just get to the point, Chevy. Enough with the yeah. shtick. He's doing everything to get out of the conversation. Yeah, it's very shticky, yeah. and I think that's where it can be annoying, where I think even there have been times in Chevy's career where he's been kidding and genuinely like looking for a laugh in response, and people are just like, what an asshole. Why yeah. is he behaving like this? Which, believe me, we'll get to some of those examples. But the, another interesting thing from this interview is, uh, like I said, I just threw this clip in because uh, it was pertinent to what we're talking about, obviously, him leaving SNL. But the other thing was that when Weekend Update really got big, when it's when he started getting recognition for Weekend Update, kind of a natural assumption, because it has sort of that talk show monologue style, you know, you're hitting on the news of the day or the news of the week in that case. So people pretty naturally said, uh, oh, I see, I could see Chevy replacing Carson. 
And a big story back then was always who's going to replace Johnny. When's Johnny leaving and who's going to replace him? People all love that was the hot gossip in uh, late night back then. So a couple things. Naturally, like now, it's, um, I mean, you just naturally see Jimmy Fallon, Seth Meyers, like I'm sure Colin Joe still have some kind of talk show when he leaves SNL. Like it just seems like the kind of natural move. So it makes sense that people would pick up on that. Also, by the way, Chevy correctly has given himself credit for uh, kind of launching a lot of the modern day talk shows that we have. The Daily, I mean, The Daily Show is the best example of like just be the daily show essentially is weekend update you know just in longer form um but you know che- and i mean i guess really lauren michaels is the one who came up with the format but you know chevy was a big part of that becoming a successful thing that is now you know launched the careers of colbert and john oliver john oliver and all these you know kind of faux political talk shows uh were born from chevy chase so chevy started getting a lot of pub as like the next carson and Chevy said, I don't want to do that. I don't, don't, I don't want to waste my time interviewing celebrities and be stuck in that job forever. And Carson had a response to that. I think it was years later um, where he said, well, Chevy Chase couldn't ad-lib a fart after a baked bean dinner. Or <laughs> some, some very Carson joke that I, I remember actually hearing uh, Letterman use that years later in yeah. an homage to Carson. Hmm. But so a long, a very long story short. Um, I watched this interview expecting that that would come up because Chevy said that in like 75 or 70, like a year before this interview. And it never did. It was very weird. And then even in there, you hear him like try to give Johnny credit. Like, you host this every night. I only do it once a week. Yeah. Um, and it's weird. And then I found out that Carson comment didn't come for years. I think when Chevy had his talk show, maybe. I forget exactly when Carson said that. But it wasn't for years until Carson like, took a dig back at him. And it's a very strange thing in Hollywood where now that would be all over just because, you know, 24-hour news cycles and the constant content coming out. But I, th- I guess they just – Johnny was such a pro that I guess they brushed it under the rug for the sake of this interview. Huh. Um, another thing that uh, I learned out of this interview is that Johnny uh, – I mean, I'm sorry, Johnny. Uh, Chevy had like a HBO special – I'm sorry, it was on NBC – but like uh, it was, it was an hour special that he was promoting, which it's like I don't see Chevy doing that. But apparently it did okay. Yeah. Um, or at least it didn't affect his movie career certainly. No. Uh, but we also have him talking about the physical aspect of his comedy on SNL, right? Yep. How badly did you hurt yourself when you took that uh, fall on the show one night? I know you were out of the show for two or three weeks. You were doing the, the oh yeah the Ford thing at the podium. Did you hit the po- the lectern when it went over? Yes, I badly hurt my podium. We uh, uh, we were doing uh, right the, the, that's the, the shit I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. where it's just like, all right, Chevy, yeah, we okay, got. Okay. I barely hurt my. Po- okay, the first few times it's funny, but that's what I'm talking about when I say it's just oh, all right, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> by the time that gets to Dan Harmon in 2009, it's like we've heard it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the height of the Ford Carter debates, and uh, oh, just a mic, and uh, we were, uh, uh, and I was playing Ford. And, my great impression of Ford. Nothing to do with him at all. Just an inept man spilling, you know. And uh, uh, Danny Aykroyd, who's on Saturday night doing Carter, and he does, in fact, a brilliant Carter. He actually has a mustache and does a good Carter. And um, uh, 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 they hadn't padded the podium. Now, the, the fall I was doing was a very slow fall with the podium for it. It was one of those things where I had a long time to say, 
no problem here. You know, it was just, and uh, the podium wasn't padded, and I went down on it. It's the same, really, as falling flat on the floor with no give, nothing to stop the fall. So I was not uh, happy about Did it. Did you know that at the time that yeah, I knew I was, was hurt. Well. I wasn't, and I wasn't feeling well in the on the, in the in the midsection here. I'm just going to open this up. Hope that's not too risque. No, that's and, right. uh, <laughs> it's a nice tie too. It's yeah. banker. Cute. Anyway. Uh, uh, it wasn't too good. I had some uh, problems, but it's it's all over now. Another interesting thing, I, I think Rogan was the one I heard talk about this, where they were talking about what an asshole Chevy Chase is known as, and uh, I think Rogan brought up, like, I wonder if there's an element of like CTE or something, or like brain injury, because he was so physically, like, he was literally, and I think those are the two or three weeks where he didn't say live from New York on Saturday night, um, he had to miss shows because he's injuring himself yeah you know so he's literally putting his body out there now i think that's an extreme assumption to make um but it is an interesting element of all that the other my other takeaway from that is he did always a thing i noticed in watching a few interviews with him uh as much as an, uh, a dick as he may have been you know off stage on camera he would always give his castmates credit like you hear him say Aykroyd does a great impression of jimmy carter mm -hmm. in another interview that i we might even have it later he calls Aykroyd a genius um, you know, so he was complimentary of his fellow castmates in that time, but he got so big and by all him, this, this hurt his relationship with Lauren Michaels. Like, I think they were friends before and this, uh, severed ties with them a little bit, uh, which we'll get it more into, but, um, you know, not that he, he, he didn't burn any bridges because he was such a big star and, uh, he had a thing that a lot of comedians don't have where he was like a very handsome guy. Like if like people think Chevy Chase was a dreamboat back in the day. It's funny if you look at him now. But, you know, time hurts us all. Uh, but he's a very – he was a good-looking guy who was arrogant that was able to pull off funny. You know, you were able to believe despite his arrogance he could pull off kind of being a, a schmuck uh, or an asshole. Like in those vacation movies – he is a bit of his, uh, like a dick to his family, but he is also the joke. Like bad things happen to him. So yeah. you're like, oh, okay, you can get on board with it, you know? And you don't see that a lot in comedy where usually it's more self-deprecating and you have to be the asshole that we all know we're making fun of, you know? So he was able to pull off that attitude pretty well. Like I said, I don't think it worked um, not on a movie set or TV set, you know? Like I think in interviews it doesn't really work, but I think on, you know... Uh, um, in a role, I think it works very well, or at least he made it work. Mm -hmm. uh, all right, what do we have next? Uh, this is going to be on Stern. It's Bill Murray after Chevy leaves. And yeah, so when he, le he left the cast, Bill Murray replaces him in the second season. And uh, it was funny, too, by the way. I was watching a sketch with uh, Belushi, and he refers to, he says, the young kid we hired this season, Bill Murray. It's funny to think of like these guys. Like Bill yeah. Murray was a young, fresh-faced kid at the that time. That is very funny to hear. Which uh, you can also see, by the way, the comparison between Murray and Chevy, which we'll hear Tarantino talk about that in a second. But there is a definite – they are the same style of guy. You know, they fit kind of that same mold. So it's almost interesting that they were both famous at that time because I think their kind of demeanor and everything was so similar. But Chevy comes back to host. He's a big star now in 1978. He comes back to host. The, cow, the cast has really been shitting on him. And by the way, Bill Murray worked at that National Lampoon Radio as well. I don't know how well they knew each other. Hmm. Um, but Hollywood was very small back then, and they did kind of run in the same circles for a time. 
So uh, this is a <laughs> Chevy on Stern, like Matt said, telling a story about when he came back to host. Um, here's what happened. I went to the show. I um, found out later from Lauren that John, who I'd known for years, John Belushi, even before right. SNL, right. Uh, had been quite kind of jealous about my rise to fame, yes. and maybe for good reason. The fact is that John was brilliant, and uh, by by any real standard, he should have been the big star. But there there are things that happen. You know, my name is said every week. Nobody can spell his name. Right. You know, I'm told. It was legendarily known that Belushi was sort of the star in the group, yeah. and then you... Danny was actually the, the real genius. What a brilliant genius. guy. He, yes. was the, he was the resident genius. And all of a sudden, Chevy did the weekend update they said, whatever right, the reason, yeah. you charmed the American public. Yeah. You got all for whatever the reason. You yeah. became the face of Saturday Night Live. Okay, so apparently this this ate a, a little bit at John enough so that, uh, as I found out later, um, uh, John had uh, said things to Bill about me when I'd been on the show that simply hadn't ex occurred or existed. Everybody knew that, right? Um, but I didn't realize he had said these things. So he'd already worked Bill up a little bit, right? And I went in. I was probably a little full of myself after a year of fame or whatever. I think that Billy probably wanted to knock me down a couple of rungs, you know. And I think he he wanted to take me on. And basically, uh, there was words were said just before the show. Oh, <laughs> I was supposed to go in the makeup room, <laughs> and, and, and and he got that me, makes it easy. He got me really pissed. I finally went to his dressing room uh, just before the show and said uh, and opened the door and said, uh, "If you say something like that again, I'm gonna." Uh, you know, whatever. And uh, and John was there. They were both right. sitting uh, back in the car. And I realized in that instant, it was John, because he gave me a look. Right. It was, uh, it here's was... the total instigator is right, John. Right. Which is kind of funny, really. Yeah. He so, was enjoying seeing the fruits of his labor. Yeah. He laid the so. groundwork. But and maybe a little guilty, too, because right. what happened was Bill, Bill uh, Billy jumped up from the uh, from this couch they were sitting on, lounging on, and charged me at the door. <laughs> and I immediately got into a, a fight stance, which right. is, I boxed a lot, and I said, you know, I, right. I didn't, so I, I had no problem with fights. Um, I was ready to level them, and he was probably ready to, uh, to scratch me up. Uh, yeah, so Chevy went on stage right after that, and it wasn't addressed or anything, which is pretty wild. But um, it's just funny to think of watching SNL when that just happened. <laughs> Chevy comes out and has some wacky monologue. But uh, the interesting thing there is you hear Chevy like talking about his castmates in a, in a positive light, and you hear him talk about Belushi and say, when you think about it, it's pretty funny that Belushi was the instigator in all this. Like It's yeah. funny that he got us to fight each other. Which comments like that that I, I've heard Chevy make often in a lot of these interviews may, does make me wonder, is he just being a phony? Or is he in on it more than he lets on? Like, for a guy that's such a notorious grump to acknowledge... Now, granted, this is almost 40 years later, you know, to be fair. But, so, you know, time, is, time has healed the wound, perhaps. But for a guy who's a notorious grump like that, to be like, hey, you know what, I see the humor in that. That's interesting. Like, you don't... It doesn't seem to fit the character uh, that people would, would tell you that Chevy is. Yeah, in that clip... Um, when Chevy is like at the end of the show, he's on the stage and he's playing the piano and all yeah. the cast is around. Bill Murray walks through the back and waves and just walks off stage. Right, which makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. but so Bill became kind of a, uh, you know, not kind of, became a huge star at that time as well. Same time as Chevy. And I feel like uh, they're two guys that fit very similar roles. You know, like you could see... Uh, Chevy Chase in Groundhog Day, 
and you could see Bill Murray in the vacation movies, and they would both kind of fit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Maybe not perfectly, but like that that would make sense. And uh, so this is a clip of Tarantino talking about the similarities that they they have and what made them different in Tarantino's mind, which I think is a very interesting point. Okay, the critics always really preferred Bill Murray movies to Chevy Chase movies. However, it does seem as if the point of all the Bill Murray movies is that he's this kind of hip, cool, curmudgeon, smart-ass guy who in the last 20 minutes gets a transformation and becomes this nice guy. Yeah. And we're and and almost apologizes for who he was the entire movie before you know, the whole rest of the movie before uh, before that happened. Which is interesting because, uh, you know, for as much of an egomaniac as it seemed like Chevy Chase was, he, that didn't come through on screen. Like he knew it was funny and didn't need to have redeeming qualities necessarily. He was comfortable with being the asshole, which. You know, that could affect your personal life negatively, certainly. But I think that's where you talk about, like, separating the art from the artist and all that. I think it helps on screen. Like, sometimes to, to be that guy on camera, you need to have a little bit of that off camera. Yeah. You know, which is why we're in a dangerous place now with knowing so much about people's offstage persona. Like we said, that story with Bill Murray wasn't known for years. And maybe it was known in Hollywood circles or whatever, but we, the public didn't necessarily know about it when we were watching SNL. Now we would have known during the episode. You know, by the time Weekend Update came on, we would have been like, are they going to address it? Because we heard about it an hour ago, you yeah, know? Yeah, definitely. Um, the, other, uh, the other interesting thing is, you know, Chevy kind of started the, the model of, like Chevy was obviously in sketches, but after that, like Dennis Miller, Norm MacDonald, Seth Meyers... Um, Tina Fey, I think, to a lesser extent. Uh, but uh, Jost and Michael Che now. Uh, the hosts, I mean, I'm sorry, the uh, Weekend Update hosts aren't even in sketches, really. No, they're just behind the desk. Yeah, and like Norm was also in some sketches, but he was the Weekend Update guy, you know? So it kind of, like, Weekend Update became so iconic in large part because of Chevy, because, or so much so that you didn't need to even really be in sketches and you were still a major part of SNL. Right. Um, all right, what's next? Uh, well, we have the other half of the Tarantino clip here. Oh, yeah, let's hear it. Chevy Chase movies don't play that shit. Chevy Chase is the same supercilious asshole at the end of the movie that he is at the beginning. He never changes in his stuff. He's always like a bit of a dick and is always completely sarcastic. I mean, unless they cast him playing a dope like he is in the the, uh, the vacation movies. But when he's playing like a Chevy character, he's uh, you know, he never apologizes for who he is, stays that way throughout the whole film. And even if there is a, a slight change, that's not the whole point of the movie. Yeah. It's like turning him into a nice, cuddly guy. Yeah. First of all, uh, the reason I went on that whole rant is because after the – I forgot that clip was two parts – and so, like when I heard it, I was like, oh, "It was shorter than I thought. Let me talk about it now." I guess oh, there you go. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot. Tarantino explains himself, um, but yeah, I think that speaks to. And to be fair to the people making these decisions, um, Bill Murray's, the Bill Murray movies were more critically acclaimed, like Tarantino said, because I think that's kind of what people want is 
you learn from your lessons. Whereas I think true comedy fans don't give a fuck. Like if it's funny, it's funny. Yeah. And Chevy doesn't need to redeem himself and tell us that he's learned a lesson and things like that. So it's interesting kind of the perspective Tarantino put on it there where I wouldn't have even necessarily thought of that, but it's like, oh, that's true where uh, maybe Chevy was more beloved because I hear Chevy's name a lot more than Bill Murray among comedians that I like. Say like, oh yeah, I loved Chevy Chase when I was a kid or he was a big influence on me or whatever. I feel like you hear that less so with Bill Murray where people have almost gotten exhausted with Bill Murray where it used to be like, hey, Bill Murray took a fry off my plate yeah. and then <laughs> said this never happened and walked away. Or yeah. no one will believe you. No one will believe you. No one will believe you and he walked away. Those stories got exhausting because it's like, oh, he's always that guy. <laughs> you know, he's always on. Whereas Chevy never seemed to be. He was just an asshole that people didn't like. Um, so are we getting into the Stern stuff now with Chevy? Um, before that, okay. we're talking about his talk show failure. Oh, boy. I forgot about that. <laughs> I forgot we had to get into that. Yeah, so uh, his talk show was a true disaster. And it's funny because, like I said, he seemed like such a natural fit in that role. But as we've learned from a couple interviews and things like that, he's an awkward guy. And he doesn't relate to people well and he doesn't converse with people well i don't think he's a natural talker the way carson and conan and letterman who would i i would put as like my three late night guys other like leno never did anything for me john stewart i like but i don't even consider him like a late night guy per se conan letterman and carson i think are the standard and what they were so great at was knowing when to be the focus of the interview and when not to be you know, knowing when they had a dud where they had to, you know, kind of ham it up a little bit mm. and really carry things, or knowing when they had Norm Macdonald on or Rickles or Charles Grodin or whoever and say, okay, let me let me be, you know, the straight man here and let this person kind of just go off. Right. Um, and that's what I don't think Chevy was ever able to do. But his perspective on it is it, it's more uh, realistic than I expected, I think. So this is him talking to Letterman about it. Here's the way I felt. Uh, I was confused about the whole genre of the late night talk show uh, wars, which incidentally to lose the wars to me is hell. It's like uh, suddenly making in your pants or something. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's very, very embarrassing. But in any case, uh, there's your bailiwick right there. <laughs> no, no. Got a bailiwick in your pants. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, that, that, that was a brace of pheasant I was concealing in my trousers. <laughs> in any case, um, I, I think that really all that can be said is that it was my fault. You know, uh, for one thing, I was never on time. I was told... <laughs> no. You just weren't punctual? Is that the problem? <laughs> no, I wasn't punctual enough. I was told we went on at 11. Right. Uh, turns out we taped at something like five, or, uh -huh. you know, in the afternoon. Right away, there's confusion. Right away. So I get there, and I don't know who the guests, you know, I have this thing, and I'm looking at it, and who, and don't know who they are, yeah. so I'm not prepared. And then I would confuse, for instance, I had Neil Simon on, and I thought it was uh, Paul, Paul yeah. Simon. So easy mistake. The, easy mistake, yeah. because they both have the same hair. Yeah. But I, I, um, I remember saying to Neil, you know, uh, you and Artie, you ever going to get back together again? <laughs> Doesn't, what does I he know? no idea what yeah. I mean. You know, I think he's uh, kidding there to an extent, but it was interesting to hear him kind of admit, like, it was my fault. Like, I wasn't prepared. You know, he was a big shot at that time, and I think he thought this would be easy. 
he said he never wanted to do it, and now it's something he's kind of, you know, forced to dip his toe into. Because, uh, you know, when you, once you, particularly once you get into the 90s, his career really dried up to where, you know, he has like a cameo in Dirty Work. And like for those guys, it was a big deal to include him. But for Chevy, it was just like an opportunity <laughs> to be in something people were watching again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, I, and I think in part that's because he wears on you a little bit. His comedy, I think, gets old after a while. And it was interesting to hear him have that perspective and say, I didn't take it as seriously as maybe I should have. Now, um, the other thing I, I think is interesting is that, you know, he was uh, a big star and kind of naturally fit that role, which makes that such a failure. Like, if you look at the Magic Johnson show, which is probably the other biggest failure in talk show history, yeah. at least it's like, that shouldn't have worked. You know what I mean? It shouldn't have worked, and it didn't. You right, know? they were just plugging it, yeah. Yeah, like, it's funny to go back and listen to Howard Go uh, Stern goof on uh, the Magic Johnson show and shit like that. But, like, that never should have worked, and it was a colossal failure. The Chevy Chase show should have worked. Like, people pegged him as Carson's replacement. He was on Weekend Update. It, sh it should have been a fine fit, and it certainly wasn't. It was no. a disaster uh, that did not last very long either. So Now we're getting into the Howard versus Chevy. The, yeah. This is the Howard Stern portion of Why Are You Laughing? Yes. So he, uh, he, he has a lot of rivalries, by the way. There's a lot of great Chevy Chase stories. I think the rest of the show, more or less, is Chevy being an asshole to people <laughs> and why he has the reputation that he does. And that starts with Howard Stern. But the Stern one is interesting to me because of the way – it developed over time, and uh, certain things that happened. Like we, I mean, we heard Chevy on Howard Stern. We yeah. already heard that. So, yeah. spoiler alert. You know, they're they're friends, I guess, um, which speaks to you know Howard, I think, more than Chevy. But let's hear how the rivalry started. Uh, this is Howard and Robin reacting to uh, Chevy Chase was on Larry King Live um, and promoting something, and uh, he was caught off mic, I guess, saying this between... Some of it was on air, some of it was not. It was between breaks and wasn't supposed to be heard, so this is them reacting to that. Well, that Howard Stern is such an ass. I mean, really a nothing. There's nothing there. Nothing. And this, this happens 30 seconds after he gets off the air with Larry. And that was already another question in between. It wasn't yeah. like right after right. that he went to commercial. And this is him on the sideline, and then he just starts... He has this weird, strange contorted look on his face and I still say he loves me that's what I maintain when somebody's that obsessive on you yeah they love you in a in a weird way they yeah. can't admit it they can't admit it but you know what I bet you I'll get them to admit it on the phone you're funny you know, you're just funny Stern hmm I didn't really even get that comparison that he was making. <laughs> Morning Downey looked like Joyce Brothers. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so he's talking shit about uh, Stern, obviously, and that's something that 1980s, 1990s Howard Stern did not uh, take too kindly to. Um, there's another clip, right? Yes. All right, let's hear that. Looks like, you know. Let's go to calls for Chevy Chase. Glasgow, Scotland. Hello. Hello, on the air? Yes. Howard Stern. I don't know who that is. To uh, <laughs> Pittsburgh. Hello. Hello. Is that that guy, Howard Stern? Boy, he's an ass. Can't stand him. Go I ahead. Have you ever, I've never seen him. 
He was I on barely... the show once as radio, but I've never... Have you seen his show? Yeah, I've never seen it, but I've heard him on the radio. And? He's, he's very funny. He got the brain of an egg timer. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> now well, you're downing the egg second. timer. Howard's going to react to that in a second, but one a quick aside I wanted to throw in there is that Chevy's obviously lying about not knowing who Howard Stern is. Yeah, or of course. Um, Larry King, I believe, 100%. Yeah. Because he says, I've never seen him. I mean, he was in here before. Larry King's one of the greatest. I love Larry King. I think he got took too much shit. And there's um, uh, he was on O&A back in the day. Here's your obligatory O&A reference. But uh, they used to goof on him forever about the questions that he asked. Like they would play questions where he was talking to a uh, rape victim who uh, she was attacked. She was bringing groceries into her house. And she it's very sad. She goes through this entire uh, horrible story of, of being attacked. And uh, Larry's follow-up question is, what happened to the food? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> asking if she dropped the, the groceries. And so they ask him about that. They play that for him, and they're like, Larry, what the fuck? And he goes, you see, I think that's a great question because no one would ask that. <laughs> so I just love Larry King, and I just wanted to throw that in real quick. But now let's hear Howard react to uh, Chevy's mean words about him. Pittsburgh, hello. Yeah, well, we've all uh, heard the reviews on Invisible Man, so you got the brain of an egg timer, too. <laughs> In fact, right now I'm a lot more successful than you are. Seems I'm making people laugh. Yeah, that now that folks is Howard Stern, by the way. Oh yeah, the Wendy Williams guy, the guy that reacts to people like that. That's Howard Stern, which is why it's funny when you hear him in all these clips, like in that uh, uh, the Chevy Chase clip we played earlier with Stern. They're talking about Bill Murray and uh, uh, Belushi, and he's like, "Oh, they're just the funniest, the funniest guys." Whereas back in the day, he was jealous of everybody. He never said anyone was funny. He shit on every everyone that could even be remotely compared to Stern. He would shit on them. And I think that's the real Howard reaction to that. So it would be brutal. They would uh, they would call him at home. They would leave messages. They would try to get him on the phone and fuck with him. And they would just brutally insult him. And this also happened to be at a time where you hear Howard there goof on the movie Invisible Man, which I don't think was a huge success. Uh, this is a time where Chevy's star is fading a little bit. You know, the vacation movies, is how many sequels can you make to that, really? How many sequels to Fletch can you make? These were monster hits, but now that's kind of dying a little bit. And Chevy in the 90s uh, was not the same type of star, which I think happens naturally to a lot of comedic actors. You know, very few guys like Rickles and Rodney are the rare exception of people who are very funny into old age, you know? Um, and Chevy, by the way, is a guy who got famous late. Like, he got famous when he was into his 30s, I think. Um, so his star was dying a little bit. Stern's constantly fucking with him. And I think this next clip is Chevy remembering why that happened, right? Uh, it's them clearing the air. Yeah, so they find they get, they get Chevy on the phone to talk about it, and Howard's kind of ready to attack him. And Chevy doesn't quite remember at first and then does remember why him and Stern had beef with each other. And I, it's almost like they resent my success. Jeez, I don't know why I would have said that. If I'd never heard you, uh, you know, I would. I don't know why I said it. Yeah, I never. Oh, heard. I know why. Why? I know why. Okay. Because uh, do you remember when I was shooting Fletch? Yes. Uh, and that uh, what was that girl's name? Um, Julianne Phillips. Phillips. Julianne yeah, Phillips, yeah, the one who was right. married to Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, and you call and well, here's the, I know why now. Right. Because. Uh, Apparently, you called, uh, we were shooting in Astoria, and you right. called and uh, asked me a bunch of questions about her divorce. Right. 
And at the time, I remember that I just, I didn't know who you were, but I remember that she was like crying every day because she was really going through it. You know, it was very hard. And, hey, you, uh, know, you were, And you were very mean. You know what was weird to me? What? She married the guy. She came out with it with a couple of million bucks. Yeah. I don't know. I don't see. And, and, and uh, she's the one who left Springsteen. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I figured, like, hey, what's I don't the know deal? the details. Well, I remember yeah. what I, you know, I don't know whether a couple of million bucks pays for all the, whatever the emotions she was going through. But all I know is that I, I was shooting this movie and I got this call and you started asking me questions about her sex life or something. And I, I just felt uh, you were an ass. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, so it's interesting to kind of hear. And this is true of all radio, not all. I'd say maybe 90, 95% of radio wars now, podcast wars, is like they start with something where you are genuinely angry in the moment. and But then when you look back at years later, you're like, why was I pissed about that? Bruce Springsteen's ex-wife? What yeah. the fuck was I even mad about? But it's funny to hear Stern would fuck with his guy endlessly, and Chevy remembers like, oh, no, I had a reason to be kind of annoyed with you. Yeah, right. Um, but the Chevy-Howard relationship is bizarre because they would, like, Chevy would answer... And they would kind of go back and forth and be friendly. And then I guess Chevy gave a toast. Like in this in this clip that we just heard, um, they said that they've never met each other. Yet, like in person, obviously. And yet uh, Chevy was at Howard's wedding when he got married to Beth for some reason and gave, I guess, this awkward, uncomfortable speech that Howard hated. That's weird. And it was very weird. But it's also like, why was he invited to the wedding? Yeah. And then Howard was mad at him for that. And then he, I think that clip where he played where he was on the show, I think that was at, well after Howard's wedding. So very, very weird. I, I don't understand their relationship. I never know that of anything with Stern was just a bit that we were all, you know, duped on or what yeah. the deal is. But a very strange relationship those two had. Um, other strange relationships that Chevy had with people that I think are less, uh, uh, more to the point, shall we say. Like when he would go back and host, he hosted SNL a bunch. And uh, one of the times he hosted is when Robert Downey Jr. was in the cast. It was that weird year where it was like Robert Downey Jr. and Anthony Michael Hall and people you would not, I think maybe Michael Key, people you would not expect to be on SNL. Yeah. Um, well, Chevy, I, I could not find uh, Robert Downey Jr. talking about this. I wish there was. Uh, I just found like other people gossiping about it. But uh, basically, Chevy went to, you know, the SNL set the week he was hosting and just would lay into Robert Downey Jr. and call him talentless and say he doesn't deserve to be on the show and then would start insulting him, like, about his father and say your, prob your father's probably in hell looking yeah, up at us weird. and shit like that's that. Weird. It's very weird to say to someone that you don't really know. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know if there's backstory with Chevy and his dad or Chevy and Robert Downey Jr. I have no idea uh, what the backstory is there, but it didn't seem like there was one. It seemed like he was just the host that started shitting on him. He would also, you know, berate women writers and shit. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But, like, he would be really insulting to people in the cast. And that goes back to, I don't, is Chevy trying to be funny in those moments? Or is he always an asshole? Or is he an asshole that loses himself? And then when you hear him tell these stories where he's like, gee, why was I mad at you? Where that's real. Where, like, his memory is just shot for whatever reason. And he's like, ah, fuck, did I do that? Where he has almost this multiple personality, like, you know, the kind of the duality of Chevy Chase, where sometimes he's in a good mood and he's a fun guy, and other times he is not. Yeah. You I, think, I think that's probably it. Yeah. That's where I, that's where I tend to think. Uh, another example, is the next one Rob Hubel? Yes. 
Yeah, so another, here's another example of that. And by the way, Rob Hubel, type of guy, you'll know him when we play the clip. You'll be like, oh, I know that guy. But you wouldn't necessarily know him by seeing him. Uh, you know, he was in I Love You, Man. He, my favorite thing that he's done is Human Giant with Aziz and Paul Shear. Um, but like when you see him, you're like, oh, that's a, he's a funny guy. I know Rob Hubel. But you can tell every role he's in, oh, that's definitely like a Chevy Chase type where he's good at being like the arrogant guy that doesn't really know it, saying, you know, the inappropriate thing and being like, what, what, what did I say? You know, he's very good at being that type of guy. So Rob Hubel had the opportunity to meet um, Chevy Chase. And here's a, we might have to put Larry King in the pantheon of people we mention every week. Yeah. Because he has a, a great role this week. But uh, here's Larry King talking to Rob Hubel about meeting Chevy Chase. I understand Chevy Chase is one of your heroes and you had a surprising first encounter with him. I did. Uh, I grew up a huge Chevy Chase fan. I mean, I really wanted to be Chevy Chase and, um, you know, all those movies like Fletch and Caddyshack. He even he, looked a little like him. He, thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. He was my guy. And then the, the first time I met him, this was at, at, at that theater at Upright Citizens Brigade, uh, he was backstage. And I don't ever get starstruck. I mean, you've met everyone in the world, but... Uh, but, you know, every now and then I still yeah. meet someone. And, and, and for me, Chevy Chase just like, oh, I was just blown away. He was just like my comedy hero. So I went up to him and um, he was talking to a friend of mine backstage. And I said, Chevy, I just wanted to introduce myself. I'm Rob Hubel. And he slapped me across the face like, like really hard, so hard that I saw red. Like my first instinct was like, I'm going to punch Chevy Chase. And, uh, you know, of course I didn't. And then he said something. I can't remember what it was. He made some sort of little joke like, can't you see I'm talking to someone or something like that. He was trying to be funny. And it was just one of those things that it, w it, it wasn't funny to me. It was maybe it was funny to him. But uh, not funny. It wasn't funny. It wasn't funny. And That's I mean, you even hear Rob Hubel there wrestling with the same thing we were talking about where it's like. Yeah. Is, he is he trying to be funny? I don't yeah. I don't get it. That's so weird. That's such a weird story. So that's the bizarre thing. Like, even while the Robert Downey Jr. story is wild, that you would say that to someone. Like, your father's in hell looking up at us or whatever the fuck he's Yeah. Saying. That's wild to say to someone. But I think we can all at least relate to being in a shitty mood and throwing out something where later you're like, I wish I didn't fucking... Why did I say I was just being an asshole. Yeah, how about a physical attack? Everyone, yeah, everyone can relate to saying something shitty. I can't imagine being in a mindset where I'm like, oh, slapping this person that I don't know, just a stranger walking up to me, that'll be hilarious. Yeah, right. You know? And, then, and so it's a weird thing. We're going through this episode. I don't know if Chevy Chase just had a bizarre sense of humor that didn't always work. Uh, is a guy that was, you know, did a lot of coke and his brain was just rattled a little bit. Uh, such an egomaniac and so successful and, uh, uh, you know, wealthy that he lost touch with uh, just humanity and people, like how to behave. I don't know what it is. I don't know which one it is with Chevy Chase because you see moments where he knows how to act and where he can be humble and shows humility and things, you know, it's strange. He's a very bizarre case that uh at least going through this episode i have not figured out you know yeah um so another another one of those examples is uh supposedly he's banned the, the legend is he's banned from snl uh that he went back to host in 1997 and he was banned and then you look and you see well he was on again in 97 he was on weekend update a couple times 
He was at the 40th anniversary. He was at the 25th anniversary, which I believe was after 97. Um, you know, so he's he's participated in these things where you're like, he's not been. I'm looking at him on SNL. He's not banned. Yeah, right. You know, so then the people have changed it to he was banned from hosting. Like, Lauren Michaels will never let him host again. And it's like, well, that's a weird thing because why would you allow him? If he's so dangerous that he's not allowed to host, why would you allow him in the building at all? Right. So that's yeah. a weird thing that I'm not... strange. And Lauren Michaels has said it's ridiculous. He said, oh, that's ridiculous. Why would we ban Chevy Chase? So I don't know where that comes from that he's banned, but he hasn't hosted since 97. But a large part of that might be, the, is there a reason that he would have hosted <laughs> since 97? I mean, Community was on the verge of being canceled every year that he was on it. So yeah, I, I don't know how big a star he's been since then. How many times has he hosted? Does he have the five... Is he in the five-time oh, yeah, club? Yeah, because one, one of the times is when he welcomes uh, Justin Timberlake, I think, to the five-timers right. club. Right, yes, I remember that. Yeah. And so I, I would assume that's the only reason why they would have him back is for like... Uh, Things le- like that. Legacy things. Yeah, where, yeah. yeah for the anniversaries and shit like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, the reason he's supposedly banned is that there's this story... Again, it's weird. I couldn't. I wish I could find Sherry O'Terry. I'm sure Sherry O'Terry has talked about it because she doesn't have much else she's promoting these days. You know, she must be somewhere uh, giving that interview. But I couldn't find her talking about it, unfortunately. But there's a weird incident where Chevy got like physical with her and like pushed her or pushed her head or something like that and then would berate the female writers and talk all sorts of shit particularly like you know they would say misogynistic shit that Chevy said I guess targeted at women mostly as we've seen he'll target men as well but in this case I think it was specifically the women in the on the writing staff and Cherry O'Terry uh so just a weird story of him being it goes beyond being an asshole you know what I mean? Like it that's way the Rob Hubel story and the Sherry O'Terry story are I think way beyond him saying shitty things about Robert Downey's father. Yeah. You know, like that's a totally separate category in my mind. So very weird. And then uh people eventually got fed up with it entirely. Is that where we are with community? Yes. Yeah. So nothing really going on in Chevy's career until two thousand nine when uh they brought him back in the show community, which makes a lot of sense. He's This was the, in my opinion, the perfect role for Chevy Chase. Uh, and if you go back and watch the first episode of Community, I don't know that it was always the plan to make Pierce Hawthorne the character that he was. But as it went on, you see him be this out-of-touch, racist grump that is difficult to deal with. And that the rest of the the show constantly wants to cut out of their group. Yeah, I I don't know where Dan Harmon came up with that character, <laughs> yeah. but I do feel like it was developed more as the show went on. Yeah. So there were moments, and uh, I've heard Joel McHale talk about this. And by the way, um, the cast of Community I think is hilarious. Uh, Gillian Jacobs and Allison Brie I think are very funny. Uh, Yvette Nicole Brown was perfect in the role that she was in. Um, Chevy, obviously, is very funny. Donald Glover, I think, is might be the most talented human being in America, if you're just talking about things he's successful in. Yeah. Um, and I thought, like, Abed Nadir, uh, Danny Pudi's character, I thought should have won several Emmys. Like, I think that was a brilliant character. And I thought he played, like, just a weird autistic kid very well. Yeah. So I think it's a brilliant show with a very funny cast. Chevy thought otherwise. And like I said, his character was an out-of-touch guy. Chevy looked at it and didn't get it. 
it was kind of the way, like if you hear the Always Sunny guys talk about when Danny DeVito kind of started on the show, it'd be like there were certain things he just didn't get. Yeah. I don't get you kids now. Like I don't get why you think this is funny. There was a lot of that with Chevy Chase, but he was much more uh, aggressive and blunt about it, I think, <laughs> than DeVito ever was. Um, so what you got was an uncomfortable um, onset environment. And some of those stories were funny, and I guess some of them were a little more serious. <laughs> so we'll hear uh, the funny one with Dan Harmon before we get into the other one. I guess this takes place at like a rap party or something. Um, uh, well, Dan, I, have the one, I have the one clip. Yeah, yeah. So Dan, yeah. Dan Harmon will explain it was like it, it what had happened is at the rap party <laughs> after a season that was very contentious I I made the jo- I kind of like I I the the crew like I was I thought I was being like a white knight to the crew at the rap party and saying okay uh before we play the gag reel and and, and I'll go home like I'm your boss you can't get fired so everybody on the count of three just say, go ahead and say, fuck you, Chevy. And everybody everybody very much participated. <laughs> um, there could literally be a series of just Chevy Chase stories, just animating them and then cutting to live action. I mean, the guy is a fucking legend. Yeah. He's a legend. Uh, the stories of this guy. So he was like, so he, he left when I did that. And there was this whole thing about, oh, in front of my wife and kids. Well, his, his kids are 48. Like, I, 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 but, but, but like, he <laughs> like middle-aged <laughs> children. <laughs> um, How do but, I explain uh, to my children? He's got a colostomy bag. How could you do that in front of my <laughs> child? Exactly. You think forty-eight years in, they're confused as to whether or not their dad is an asshole? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that was my defense. I was like, they know him. Right. Like they, they've had to work with him longer than anybody. Um, so Dan, in in that, uh, he's on Jim and Sam there, and Dan Harmon goes on to say, "I was wrong in that moment." He goes, "I that wasn't right." To do, even just if his family wasn't there, it's not right to, you know, just fucking berate one of your cast members like that in front of the entire crew. It's disrespectful. But like he said, everyone was very much in on that and they all were feeling what Dan Harmon was feeling. And there's also something where Dan Harmon played his voicemail, I think, at this rap party, like a a voicemail of Chevy being an asshole. And so, uh, you know, like Dan Harmon said, he was wrong, but there was a lot of anger and tension built up. So what happened there was that uh, Community was always on the verge of being canceled. It wasn't like a successful sitcom. It had a cult following. And then I can't even say was more of a – like often with these cultish shows, you hear like, oh, it really took off on streaming services. I don't even think Community had that sort of a run where it's always been kind of this underground show. And I think maybe the last few seasons, not even the last few, but season four really hurt it. And that's where Chevy really fucked up the show, where he got Dan Harmon ousted for season four. He complained about Dan Harmon so much um, that he got him fired from his own show. Hmm. And season four sucked to the point where in the show, like the show itself is very meta. And within the show in later seasons, they would refer to season four as the gas leak year where they said there was like a gas leak in the school and none of them can remember it yeah, <laughs> because yeah, yeah. because it sucked so bad and the fans didn't like it and everything. So Chevy would say, like, he didn't get the show and he would constantly complain about the script and say it wasn't funny. And I guess at times he would specifically focus on Donald Glover and tell Donald Glover that the only reason you have this role or the only reason people think you're funny is because you're black, which is a very weird insult. Yeah. Particularly to Donald Glover, who, I mean, has a 
successful stand-up special, wrote on 30 Rock, then after this show went on to create Atlanta. <laughs> like his, it, it his has one Emmys. A successful music career as well. A wildly successful. The idea that Donald Glover isn't talented is just delusional. Yeah. Like he might be the most multi-talented guy there is. Yeah. You know, so it's it's crazy to have that thought. And I guess, and this goes back to does Chevy think he's being funny here? Or is he are these his real thoughts and how he behaves? Because I guess he would just call Donald Glover the N-word constantly on That's set. crazy. It's wild. And That's this is 2010, crazy. 2011. Yeah. You know, and so I get and Donald Glover like addressed it a little, has never really talked about it. Uh, Joel McHale, I've heard address it in a couple interviews, and Joel's perspective on it was like Chevy was very difficult to work with, but at times he wasn't. You know, like at times he was a fun guy and he's a legend that knows comedy and everything. But when he was in a mood, you didn't want to fucking deal with I, him. I I gotta imagine there's something undiagnosed there. And there's I'm not gotta a doctor. Be. No, there's like, gotta be. But like all the evidence is here from all the clips we've shown today is like I think he just has rough patches. Yeah, there's guys that lack self-awareness, and that comes out in different ways. And I think, you know, like we, on uh, the Blind Mike Project, we like to make fun of guys like Tom Myers, who completely lack self-awareness. That's an understatement. Right. But Tom Myers lacks self-awareness in his performing. Like, he shouldn't be doing comedy. Yeah. Whereas Chevy Chase is a funny guy. The self-awareness that he lacks is social. So we see less of it. So he almost doesn't really have to confront. Because he was so successful, he never really had to confront his behavior, I don't mm-hmm. think. You know, and now he's an 80-year-old guy. So 80-year-old guy. So he's not going to change, you know? Yeah, no, no. So very weird. Like you said, I think there's an undiagnosed thing, something wrong with Chevy. And who knows? I don't know if it's drug-related. I don't know if it's you know, taking poundings to the head comedically. I don't know if it was something in his upbringing. I, like most people, I'm sure it's a mix of all of those. Um, but whatever it is, a notorious asshole, Dan Harmon tried to give him a comeback, and uh, he kind of squandered it. He was brilliant on the show. He, I thought he was hilariously funny in that show. But, um, you know, now we likely won't hear from him again. He's an 80-year-old guy. How many roles are there going to be left for him? Yeah, not many. So uh, a wild career. As far as influence, like we said, there's a tremendous amount of influence. And I don't think there's anything I would have had Chevy do because I think he kind of tried everything. You know, he tried being a late night show, uh, a late night talk show host, and it, it failed miserably. So it's like, would he have been good as the wacky dad on a sitcom? I don't know. I think he found his perfect role in a sitcom and he didn't want to do it. So, you know, he lived his life the way he wanted, I guess. There's a lot of great success and there's a lot of uh, weird, bizarre failures to it. So, um, you know, think of how Chevy Chase, of Chevy Chase, however you want. We're just, uh, do your own research, as I say on Moron Money. You know, looking at Chevy however you want and uh, judge his legacy that way. But definitely a weird guy and a fascinating guy, uh, for sure, I think. But, I don't know, any other final thoughts on Chevy? No, I just, it's funny when you see the whole picture together. Like, all yeah. these clips across his career. Yeah, very weird. Kinda, you kind of, like, you see a lot of trend, like... A lot of similarities in a lot of the clips yeah. and uh, kind of like trending things. So. Yeah. Well, if you're listening to this episode for free, then uh, we appreciate it. If you want to keep supporting the show for free, uh, other ways you can do that, leave a five-star review, uh, share it, you know, tell your friends, whatever, that uh, we do a fun little podcast here. Go subscribe to the YouTube. We need those numbers up as well. Hopefully we're back on YouTube now. Um, 
you know, like and comment there. All that helps the algorithm. And uh, if you really like the show and you can't wait for episodes to come out, go to blindmike.net. That's where you can find all those links for the free show. But you can also find links to our Patreon and merchandise. You can sign up for the Patreon there. And uh, if you're an executive gearhead or higher, you get these episodes a week early. Uh, oh, another thing I should mention is, too, if you subscribe for the year, you save a few bucks. You get two months free. So uh, do that if you'd like as well. And um, go to uh, Vaulted Podcasts, like we said. If you're recording anything, video or uh, audio, check out Vaulted Podcasts in R- Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Whether uh, you're in the area here or uh, I'd say it's worth a drive. So hit up Matt from RI uh, on Twitter. Yes. And uh, that's pretty much it. We will talk Next week is uh, the original Kings of Comedy. So we will talk to you guys then on Why Are You Laughing? <laughs>